0: In glory. Is there anyone in this place tonight that can testify that we serve a God that is a provider? In the Hebrew, the word Yireh actually is the word that means a provider. But whenever we look at the root of that word, it actually means that He will see to it. That means that every need that that we have, God says, I'm going to see to it. Whenever Abraham was asked the question as they were walking up to Mount Moriah, where is the lamb? Abraham said, God is going to provide, or rather God is going to see to it. I want to encourage someone in this place today. Whatever you have need of, we have a shepherd that is ready and willing to see to our needs. Verse two, if I could just elaborate on a few of these verses before I get into my Sunday punch. Verse two says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What I love about this verse is the forceful verb. That is used. He maketh me to lie down. Ooh, here's a sermon for somebody. Sometimes we need to be made to lie down. Sometimes we don't always like to be told to sit down. I didn't like it whenever my mom would say, Jeremy, go to bed. Sometimes this is the great mercy of our gentle shepherd, that he would be forceful in his words to us and say, it's time for me to make you lie down in green pastures. I believe this is not a time that we curse God and that we get mad at God and that we stomp off to our room like like we were when we were little kids and saying, God's just making me do something that I don't want to do. No, no, no. The place that he's making you lie down is not a desert He said, I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures and lead you beside still waters. The Bible goes on to say in verse number four, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I love this scripture because oftentimes, and, and definitely 2020 has been a year where Fear gripped so many people. The mental health situation of so many people around the world began to decline. Why? Because of fear. People were walking around in fear and in anxiety. I mean, for crying out loud, you couldn't even get toilet paper. That's hard times. In fact, a... Facebook memory. How many of you all ever get Facebook memories that come up? A meme that I shared just a year ago today. Perfect for this sermon. A pastor friend of mine in southern Indiana posted, you know all of those napkins in your glove compartment? It's about their time to shine anxiety about all kinds of things going on in this world. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We should not fear evil. Why? Because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I would to God that he would baptize us afresh with some power. With some love and with some sound mind today, it's time to let the fear go. We serve a God who has the power to cast out all fear. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to fear him. The amazing thing about the Hebrew word fear, when the Bible says that we should fear him, it's not the same Hebrew word for phobia. As in, you're afraid of spiders or you're afraid of heights or you're afraid of, like my mother, uh, she's afraid of uh, claustrophobic, uh, of tight spaces. She, my mother has never liked an elevator. She gets in an elevator and starts to have anxiety attacks. It's not that kind of fear. We don't fear God as in phobia. It's a different Hebrew word. In fact, the word itself means at its root to be in awe. When was the last time that you were in awe of Him? I don't know about you, but every time I think about His goodness... And I think about where He's brought me from. I have to stand in awe of Him in what He has done for me. You see, you don't know like I know what God has done for me. I couldn't help but think about it, Pastor, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell on you, and I hope you don't get mad. But uh, I remember it was maybe it might have been the last time that I was here several months ago. I spoke about the picture that Pastor had posted on Facebook. Of uh, uh, it was Pastor Flurry BC before Christ. You remember that picture, and I couldn't help but think about because I was into the '80s rock bands, and I looked at him and I thought he looked just like the lead guitar player in Metallica, Kirk Hammett. And somebody in the back actually put the picture up there and got me in big trouble. <laughs> Pastor chewed me out after that. No, I'm teasing. He really didn't. But that's the testimony of the under shepherd that God has appointed here at New Hope Apostolic Church. So when you see him shout, and you wonder why he gets up in chilies, saints of New Hope, don't ever look across chilies while your pastor's dancing and be ashamed. Because there are some people in this world that wish they had a pastor. I'm in awe of what God has done in my life. I'm in awe of what God is doing in the world. I'm in awe of 13 Trinitarians being baptized in Jesus' name in Uganda just last week. I'm in awe of what God is doing. That's the kind of fear that we should have. Not here to fear evil. I'm not afraid of COVID-19. I'm not afraid of what man shall do unto me. Because I stand in awe of the creator of the heavens and the earth who holds me in his hand. I preached to people when my wife and I were living in India for many years. I preached to people that worship some 330 million gods. There's a God for everything. If you want to be a God yourself, welcome. It's one more, 330 million. They worship all kinds of things. One of the things that I used to always tell them because people live, those who worship idols live in fear constantly. Fear is something that they live in. They don't want to offend their idols So I always used to preach that if you worship idols, that means that you have made your God with your hands. So you have to carry your God. But my God made me. He's going to carry me. And it is because of this that even whenever I might be in a situation that for all justifiable reasons should strike fear in my heart, I still don't fear evil. Why? Because I am in the hands of an almighty God. I am in the care of a great and powerful shepherd. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I, I have seen a lot of shepherds work around the world, in the Middle East, in India, in different places. And it's an amazing thing to watch as shepherds, many of them living just like they lived in first century Judea, amazingly. And a lot of the same practices going on and a lot of the same even even tools that they use. I have seen shepherds, even in present day, with a club, which is the rod, and a staff. Which is shaped like a hook. What was it for? To save the sheep. To pull the sheep back into the right direction. But you know, sometimes sheep don't always obey. Sometimes human sheep also don't always obey. Hello. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh oh, he just got right up in my business right there. We all love the staff. We love the comfort of the staff when we begin to slip, feeling that shepherd pulling us toward him. But how many of us are ready to feel comfort in the rod? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What about whenever the shepherd has to beat your backside? Sometimes, oh, hello. Now it really got personal, didn't it? Sometimes the shepherd does have to correct the sheep. Sometimes the sheep get stubborn. Sometimes they want to do the wrong thing. So what does the shepherd do? He doesn't just have a staff. He has a rod as well. And that rod was to beat the fire out of that sheep if it was needful. Now I know. This is 2021. You're not allowed to spank kids anymore, but let me just tell you, I grew up in the 80s and I got beat. My mother, my my dad's belt was coiled up on his dresser like a cobra. (laughs) Ready to strike me at any time. And let me just tell you, I was naughty. I wasn't raised in church. I came from a secular background and my mother knew how to use that belt. And when I would hear that buckle jingling coming towards my room, I knew it's time to get under the covers and pretend like I'm asleep. Anybody else ever done that or was it just me? I know what it's like to get out of line, but I also know what it's like to feel that leather strap. And in fact, it wasn't always that cobra coiled up on my dad's dresser. It was whatever blunt object was nearest to her hand. That could have been a wooden spoon, Uh, that could have been a fly swatter, Um, could have been a lot of things, and I think I turned out somehow okay. Uh, Well, thank you, at least she thinks so. But my mother today is someone who I love. And my dad, I have to tell you, my dad never one time in my life ever spanked me because he never got a chance to. My mother was always... Got three beatings before breakfast most days, and so I can tell you that parents today, when we correct our children, it's not because we don't like them, it's because we do love them. The Bible says that if one is without chastisement, they are a bastard. I am thankful today that I know that I have parents that loved me and corrected me. And there are times, listen, sheep of God, there are times that our correction needs to come from the pulpit. Because the under-shepherd that God has appointed for this flock has to preach the word of God without fear and without favor. And sometimes has to preach it straight. There will be times you will feel the warm embrace of the word. But there will also be times the Bible tells us my word is like a hammer. And sometimes we need to feel that hammer. It's not always comfortable. But I promise you it will put your feet on streets of gold. This is the reason why David, who knew very well about the skill sets of shepherding, could say, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David knew exactly what it was like to be punished. He knew what it was like to be chastised. He knew what it was like for the prophet of God to look at him and say, Thou art that man. You are the man that committed adultery. You are the man that sinned before God. You are the man that, have done, that has done all of these things. You're the one that numbered the people and got everybody's lives messed up. You're the one that sent Uriah to the front line and caused him to die. You are that man. Sometimes we need an under shepherd to stand in front of us in the place of the great shepherd of heaven and preach it straight to us and tell us what we need to hear. When I look back to that coiled up cobra on my dad's dresser, I take comfort in the fact that I had a mother and a father who was willing to correct me and tell me what was right and what was wrong. We are living in a world today, dear brothers and sisters, where not everybody's cutting it straight. Where some people, they're hiring preachers, having itching ears, telling them what they want to hear. But I want somebody who's going to stand up, having a hot coal on their lips, ready to preach to me. What thus saith the Lord? I don't only take comfort in that saving staff but for that correcting rod that sometimes I have to feel whenever I get out of line. Dear brothers and sisters, in 15 years that this assembly has been here as a lighthouse preaching this truth, no doubt there were times that Pastor stood up and preached it straight. And I want to tell you, you should take comfort. And someone looking across the pulpit to you with tearful eyes telling you, you've done wrong. But here's a chance for you to repent. Here's a chance for you to make it right. I take comfort in that. And if you can feel the sting of the rod, I have good news for you today. That's conviction. And did you know that a lot of people in this world today can't feel conviction? Because they have a seared conscience. The Bible says they have a seared conscience. If you can still feel when pastor gets up here and gets on your toes, you need to say, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you've not given me over to a delusion, that you've not not allowed me to get a seared conscience. I'm so thankful that I can still feel the working of God's word in my heart and on my life. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. There's nothing better than eating a meal in front of people that don't like you. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Sometimes we got to get comfortable eating. I'm talking about the blessings of God in peace, even though our enemies have surrounded us. But the great thing about our awesome shepherd is that he prepares a table. For us, the shepherd's skill sets again, the Bible says that the shepherd knows the sheep, the sheep know their shepherd's voice. We understand that. But one of the things that a shepherd had to do when leading a flock into a green pasture was he had to go before because there were flowers in the Middle East. And in North Africa, there are flowers in some of the grazing pastures that are poisonous. They're beautiful. They're attractive. But they're full of poison. And the sheep can hardly resist them. So the shepherd knows the sheep. So what would he do? He went before. And he would pull those flowers out of the ground. Removing the poison from the table. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that this great shepherd robed himself in flesh. The Bible says that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Why did he come? He came to remove the poison. From the table. But sometimes we try to keep him from removing the poison from our life. When all along the way, he's trying to pull those flowers. We need to let God do some plucking. And say, come on. Oh, gentle shepherd, I know that you know the sheep, and I know that you know that all sheep have trials, all sheep have temptations. But he said, I have come to prepare a table before you. I believe that God's got a feast for somebody in this place today, but you need to let him do a work on the table. The other, the other enemy is the lion. The tigers and bears. Sinners. (laughs) Every generation knows that line. And David understood this. It's the reason why he had no fear to face a giant. Because he had already worked his magic before in the fields, in the pastures. He knew what it was like to set himself up in a high place watching over the sheep, knowing that there are roaring lions walking about seeking who they may devour. But David said, I know I've got a great skill set with this sling. It's been tried. It's been proven. And he understands what it takes to be a good shepherd. I want somebody to know today. His eyes are looking at each and every one you. You think that he don't see you? You think he doesn't see the enemies that are trying to close in on you? He sees and he knows. And I want to tell you today that the Holy Ghost power that he's put inside of you is all you need today to overcome the enemy of your soul. Thou anointest my head with oil. I want to talk to us for just a few more minutes about the anointing. Because I believe that this assembly is about to step into a new place. But it's not just a new place with only new ministries and that kind of thing. I mean a complete, fresh anointing. An anointing with fresh oil. The shepherd knows the sheep, as I have already said. One of the terrible enemies in the pastures of the Middle East for a sheep is something called the nasal fly. The nasal fly, it's a it's kind of a disgusting. Image to think of, but it is a fly that in arid climates will actually come and land on the moist nose of a sheep and lay its eggs in the nasal cavity of the sheep. And it will cause infections, all kinds of things happen. And the response of the sheep is that they will bang their head up against rocks, drag their head, on the ground, stop eating, separate themselves from the rest of the flock, and ultimately will die. Can you imagine? Now we all know how dangerous mosquitoes are. I mean, we used to read about malaria. and I moved to India and People die of malaria and go to Africa. I mean, people, people die. Mosquitoes are the most dangerous thing in the world. But we don't think about flies being incredibly dangerous. But yes, flies are dangerous to sheep. And this nasal fly will do a lot of damage on a flock. But the shepherd knows the secret to keeping flies away from the sheep is the anointing. The shepherd would personally apply oil to the head of every single sheep. And it was that application of the anointing oil that repelled the flies. They stayed, oh my goodness, I'm about to shout. The flies stayed away when the anointing was applied. Have you ever had your head anointed with oil before? I mean, physically, like you ever gone somewhere and got a massage before? In India, <clears throat> the barbers there, after you get a haircut, will give you a little shoulder massage, and while you're sitting there in the chair, and maybe rub your head or something, and um, so it's kind of a nice experience. And one day I was preaching, I was in a in a little area just off of the Arabian Sea, and a pastor friend of mine and I had been preaching all day, every day, for seven days straight. What I mean by all day is not just a night service. I know we all day. Folks, I can do it. I mean, I'm only like 5% into my sermon tonight. No, I'm teasing. Please, please. No. <laughs> Ministry, people were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, people were healed. And at the end of seven days, we were wrung out. (laughs) The other thing was, I needed a haircut. I looked like I'd taken on the vow of a Nazarite. So I told the pastor, I said, Well, we're done. I've got to get on a train. I've got to go to New Delhi Uh, the next day. Or, no, I'm I'm sorry, it was, um, I got to go to Mumbai. And uh, so I said, I, I want to get a haircut before I go. And he said, Yeah, yeah, we'll go. We'll go quickly. There's a place nearby, um, and uh, he should be able to get us in very quickly. So I go and sit down, and he was a little bit grumpy, and and we were just tired, and um, we were both bachelors, and and um, it was an interesting uh, situation that we walked into. We walked in. the Pastor sat down, started reading a newspaper, and. When I looked at the chairs there in the barber shop, there was a guy that was sitting there that was in the chair was sound asleep. I mean snoring. His mouth was wide open. I thought, man, over there they shave you with straight razors. I thought somebody's done (laughs) cut his neck or something. I don't know what's happened here. This isn't good. And uh, stumbled onto a murder scene or something. I don't know what's happened. But I said, hey, is this okay? And he said, yes, come on in. Be happy to have some golden hair on my floor. Because everybody's hair over there is black, and so it was always a great thing going to the barber shop in India. They absolutely loved having my color hair on the floor. They they felt blessed or something, I don't know. And so I sat down in the chair and he cut my hair, and everything was going well, and the pastor kept see him in the mirror behind me he was getting a little bit uh, frustrated ready to go we're wore out well after he gets done with the haircut he goes in the back and he brings out warm oil and just started to drizzle that on my head while i'm sitting there i mean in front of god and everybody this guy just started anointing my head with oil and then he lit into massaging still remember what that warm oil felt like on my head and he started massaging my head and as he did I I now realize why that guy was asleep (laughs) so he was massaging my head and I was nodding off and I'm just like you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride this for what it's worth and I just sat there and just like forget the pastor back there he can wait Then about that time, I heard somebody sit down in the chair next to me. I looked over, and it was that pastor. He's sitting down. They anointed his head with oil as well. We were both. Because there's something about the anointing that brings peace, that brings comfort. We got in the car, and we didn't say an entire word the whole way back to his place. Both went to our rooms and woke up probably 10 or 12 hours later. That was the kind of sleep that we got. But I said all of that to say this. There's nothing like the anointing. And we oftentimes live our lives from day to day, from paycheck to paycheck. A lot of times just just hand to mouth, wondering how we're going to be able to get through this life. We live stressed. We live tired. If we were honest with ourselves one time before we died, every single one of us in this room would say, I don't get enough sleep. I don't get enough rest. I don't always eat the best. I've got all kinds of things going on. We've all got our list of problems, but there's something about the anointing. It doesn't always make our problems go away. It just makes it where our problems aren't magnified. This is the reason why the Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, because something happens when we begin to make the Lord bigger in our situation. You can't you can't make him bigger, literally, but we can make him bigger in our perception. And we can make Him bigger than our problems in our lives. And I want to tell somebody today that when the anointing begins to be poured out upon us, it makes our problems, our stresses, and all of those things smaller. And we know, I serve a God who is great, and He's greatly to be praised. And He's still pouring out His anointing upon all flesh. The great thing that I find... In the scripture, is that the Bible tells us and gives us the name of our enemy. And it calls him, we read it in English, Beelzebub. In Hebrew, it's Beelzebul, actually. But Beelzebul is translated as Lord of the Flies. Hello, Lord of the Flies. In fact, another name for Beelzebub is Dung God. Is there not a connection to dung and flies? It's the reason why the Jews called Beelzebul the Dung God. If you're Lord of the Flies... That's the reason why that fly that walks across your bologna sandwich is not always a problem with the fly. It's a problem where that fly been. Come on, somebody. Lord of the flies. But when the anointing is there. The flies are going to stay away. I want to preach to somebody today and say, if you've got some flies. That are constantly swarming you. Landing on you, bringing all kinds of problems to your life, making you beat your head up against a rock, making you separate yourself from the flock, keeping you from eating. I'm talking about your spiritual meat today. Maybe you've got a nasal fly problem, and it's okay to have a problem, but it's not going to be okay after this sermon tonight. Because if you leave here today, having not been anointed, then you're leaving here willfully saying, I think I'll just live with Beelzebub." But I want to help somebody today and encourage you. There is hope. And that hope is in the anointing power of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that he's still pouring it out upon all flesh. What you need to get a hold of today, Saint of God, to get the flies out of your life, you've got to be anointed with some fresh oil. The flies are swarming. The flies are wanting to separate you from the flock. The flies are wanting to bring doubt and fear into your life. But we serve a God who knows his sheep. And I want to preach to somebody today. The anointing is here in this place for you. The progression of this scripture to me is so incredibly powerful. And I tell my students all the time, there are no empty words in the Bible. There are no accidents in the Bible. In fact, we believe, and I believe very strongly that not just every word counts, but every letter counts counts for something and when we read it in the text there is something powerful about how it goes on from one point to another you anoint my head with oil and then guess what happens my cup runs over I don't like pessimism oh boy I, that was, it's confession time for me I like it when somebody is in the middle of a storm and all they can see is the good. I want to know your greatest testimony is when you are going through literal hell. And still all you can sing about is heaven. This is my illustration. This is my illustration. Watch this man. A good friend of mine and now a good friend of pastors, Pastor Judd Sears in southern Indiana. A man who is dedicated to world missions. A man who I've served on the ALJC missions board with for many years. Is the same diagnosis as our pastor. Their diagnosis has linked them up together. And together, it's like they're invincible. You wanna know why? Because when the world looks, they see the cup is half empty. His testimony is not even that it's half full, his testimony is, My cup runneth over. And when you have the anointing, there's no such thing as a cup that's half full. Let me dance with pastor for a little while. Our testimony is our cup runs over because we've got the anointing, and the anointing is in this place. These men are teaching us how to live, saints of God. They're teaching us how to worship. They're teaching us how to love God. They're teaching us how to reach the lost souls. Something begins to happen whenever we get under the anointing that every fly of doubt, every fly of sickness cannot take. It cannot take our testimony. My cup runneth over. Hallelujah. Let New Hope Apostolic Church have a testimony. We never have a cup that's half full. We don't have a cup that's half empty. The only cup that we have is the one that runs over. The only cup that we have is the one that David wrote about. That after we got anointed, our perception of even the most drastic of circumstances is our cup runs over. Stand with me in this place, our greatest testimony. And let me tell you.